엔호아 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 Music is like food. It's a physical need. Most of the time, I don't think of it as a need. I just enjoy it. A couple of times where I was missing it, I really sincerely missed it. I am Adam Mao. I was born in Haifa in 1983. I am a young opera maker. Hello, Adam Mao. Morning. What drives your work? What are your passions? I enjoy sound. I enjoy thinking of sound. Uh, I did a lot of electronic music uh, during the last couple of years, which really made me think of the nature of sound in an almost scientific way. Um, I was always drawn to connections between sonorities. And um, yeah, it's mostly that. I started composing around uh, 17 or 18. Uh, I, uh, I was a classical guitarist and um, I didn't have a very good technique. I wanted to be really good and I played so much that uh, I, I gave myself uh, muscle traumas and I was obliged to think of new ways to make music. How would you describe your music? I think a, a good start would be uh, the the electronic experimentation because um, because I really feel that I started developing as an artist once I was given the tools of to work with uh, with electronic music at the time I didn't have the technique I have today to write a complex score and to connect with this object that is called the score This is a very frightening object for a young musician and it took me a lot of years to be able to to see the score as part of my music. And while the, I think the, the electronic composition is something that is far more democratic, so I could really start experimenting, I do see it as, as a part of my uh, musical development. At the same time, um, as a classical guitarist, I feel that there's something about uh, the, the strings that I can still see in my, in my scores, even though I didn't practice guitar for the last uh, 12 years. And uh, a recurrent subject is that uh, I do place myself between uh, Europe and the Middle East. Yeah. 
So I did study uh, a long time in Europe. I studied in, in Geneva and I studied uh, electronic music in, in Paris, in IRCAM. And towards the end of my studies, I, I started uh, learning the, the Middle Eastern classical uh, tradition through my, uh, my Oud studies. I did some, uh, some singing classes. I'd say that uh, in these days I'm mostly trying to um, synthesize what I'm learning into, into a language that wouldn't be this kind of a fusion of um, European formal, uh, formerly European pieces with a touch of Oriental music, but, uh, but trying to think what can I build that is uh, in a coherent way uh, representative of my, uh, my culture. This opera was created uh, last July in Festival d'Aix-en-Provence. Who are these sleeping thousand? The opera starts with uh, a thousand uh, Palestinian administrative prisoners who go on a massive hunger strike. And uh, the Israeli government not knowing what to do with them, with the situation that becomes worse, with the international pressure, decides to put them to sleep, to, to keep them in this uh, coma state until the world moves on. Uh, which seems to work at the beginning, because uh, the world does move on. But with the years, the, the Israeli public starts suffering from insomnia, and uh, children wake up in the middle of the night speaking Arabic, and all these weird stuff start to happen. The entire country is, uh, is chaos, and no one can sleep. At that point, that they realize that these uh, Sleeping thousands were infiltrating the, their dreams and, uh, and performing terror attacks. So they decide to, to send a spy. And uh, they send uh, the assistant of the prime minister. She is put to sleep. She confronts the, the sleeping thousand and she realizes that they had been communicating, that they had been awake, but they were not performing any terror attacks. They actually had created... Um, a new homeland that does not consider race or, or nationality um, that is only existent through, through the connection between humans, and she decides to, to join them. What uh, did you start with when composing this opera? I was working with uh, Jonathan Levy, the librettist, and, um, and he was telling me this, uh, this same story that I was sharing with you. I immediately knew that This is going to be our collaboration, and um, 
but we had no way of telling the story actually because this is a this is a huge story that involves millions of people over seven years and we had to find a way to to tell it in uh, in one hour for four singers on on stage so this is actually where uh, Enoa comes in because uh, we did a lot of workshops uh, with Enoa um, that were about uh, experimenting with uh, with writing music even before we started writing the libretto and then we had a, a residency in Olbo where we started developing uh, the libretto it was a very long process just for that and then i was lucky enough to be able to go to luxembourg where the luciline ensemble is coming with uh, Luxembourg being one of the uh, the main houses that commissioned the piece, uh, along with uh, Lisbon and Brussels. And I had the chance to to work with the ensemble and conductor Elena Schwartz on two occasions before uh, handing in the score. So it was a, a very collaborative uh, process um, in which the musicians could really help me write the score. And, uh, and I was very proud at the premiere, thinking that there's not one person on stage or in the pit that didn't have a, a profound influence on the, on the score, actually. And this is, uh, this is, of course, thanks to the NOA workshops. say my dream piece was the sleeping thousand i uh, i still remember the moment jonathan was telling me about this story and uh, and some of the moments in which we were developing this project i think it's a story that starts with uh, something that we can write read in the newspaper tomorrow and ends up with this completely universal message uh, i was very fortunate to to be able to participate in it Satan, I'm not a 
a number of your works have dealt with contemporary political topics. Given the current political and social climate, do you feel that artists or composers and musicians have an obligation to raise awareness uh, through their work? It's hard for me to talk in who needs to do what. Um, for me, I feel it very strongly because I, I, coming from the Middle East and trying to be sensitive to what's going on around me, uh, I really feel that the subject the most emotionally charged for me. And um, it wouldn't make sense for me to create without thinking of the society I grew up in and the society that I want to live in. It also connects with... Um, a cultural and aesthetic research that is the way for me to, to connect with the origins of my family and also uh, with the society in which I grew up in. So it's, um, it's a cultural research that has to pass through the political aspect of it. Do you feel it important that an audience is able to uh, deduct the process or the story behind the music? So I wrote pieces in which it's a very clear part of the compositional process. I have also pieces in which I just deal with, with sound and, and, and just pure music, what they they'd call it. I find it important to connect, to be able to pass this message and to connect my music to these messages. I also wouldn't like my music to be seen only in this uh, aspect of, of the political uh, and the historical. I think, I think you could listen to Occupy Haifa just as an electronic piece. Uh, but since I, it, it was important to me to work around these sounds and these ideas, I feel it important to, to share them. What's the story behind Occupy Haifa? It's a, it's a moment actually, Occupy Haifa, because um, I thought of it in 2011. Um, 
It was uh, the high point of what they call the Arab Spring, and there was the Occupy Wall Street, Occupy London uh, going on uh, in the West. And, and in Israel, we had a, a very strong movement and very surprising starting with a young woman who couldn't pay her rent and put a, a tent in the center of a, of a chic uh, avenue in Tel Aviv. And uh, by the end of the summer, we were around uh, 90 different areas in, in the country, thousands of tents, hundreds of thousands of, of demonstrators. And I was going to a demonstration in, in Haifa, my home city. That was uh, out of nowhere, this kind of uh, ideal uh, demonstration for me anyway, because, well, of course, I, I liked what people were saying about uh, social justice. And uh, more than that, the on stage and in the in the crowd it spoke hebrew and arabic equally it was this for a moment this kind of ideal uh, ideal moment and um, and it made me want to react and it also made me think of um, of the occupation of haifa in uh, in 48 in which uh, most of the muslim uh, population of haifa was expelled so it's still a mixed city israeli palestinian but most of the Palestinian population that stayed is a Christian. It made me think of, of the city I could have grown up in and the culture I could have grown up in without these events of, uh, of 48. And so I wrote this piece, which is half uh, an homage to a very beautiful moment and on the other side uh, to a horrible moment and at the same time a thought of what, what the city would have been. homage to Mazen Kerbat, who is a, an improvising artist and is a, a true improviser that who can create a form, who can really take a musical message of a long duration and, and build it up. I say uh, often that I go to the improvising concerts in order to, to remember that my work is important. Mazen Kerbat clearly shows uh, that my work is not that important. You can, do, you can do without a composer. And I think there's something very powerful in his piece, uh, Starry Night, that is, um, that is really a, a composition for uh, trumpet and uh, air force uh, that, that really uh, connects and, and reacts to the, to the sounds. This, um, this explosion and then this huge wave of almost like uh, the city answering, the city waking up and giving its, 
its commentary on the on the bombing. Of course, I I couldn't um, composing Beirut, uh, my Beirut. I I couldn't do the same. I couldn't react to the sound of the bombs. So I wrote this piece that actually is an ensemble and electronic piece with a solo trombone that reacts to the all the sounds of the recordings that are not the bomb, which means uh, the car alarms, the dogs, uh, the reaction of the city. I try often in my music when I'm thinking of what kind of music a composer coming from the Middle East should write. I try to make a synthesis of, of influences and, and to make sure that I don't use colors of melodies in, a, in an easy kind of way, but trying to integrate them in a, in a more coherent uh, discourse. And um, I feel that I am in the beginning of a, of a process that is... Uh, uh, learning more about the music of my region, of my uh, cultural heritage, and trying to think of uh, how I can integrate it to a musical language. I think I'm I'm really in the, in the midst of studying and. Uh, and I hope in, in 20 years to, to be able to bring a, a more coherent answer. Thank you, Adam Bauer. Thank you. podcast by Enoa, developed with the support of the Creative Europe Programme of the European Union.